I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will talk with Marcus Pond from Mad Friars. They'll have a Twitter segment, and they'll really go out on a limb and tell you who they want the team to sign this offseason. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBou. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the 5.5 Podcast. I am your host, and in much better health than last week, Danny Ortiz. Alongside Eric LeBou. Welcome back, Eric. Still in good health myself. Good, good. Not Bless. sick. Yeah. I'm still a little sick, but I'm not on my deathbed like I was last week. So. Well, good. Yes. You seem a lot more chipper. Yes. I'm also drinking a very highly caffeinated uh, tall glass of coffee. So. so we'll apologize in advance to uh, Jesse Fritz, at SD Fritz, who says you're hyper oh. as hell and you being sick last week was actually good. So. Well, Fritz, fuck off. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. So. Well, there we go. <laughs> Anyways, but thanks for the listen nonetheless. Um, we're going to jump right into it. The Padres are awful, but there's some bright sides, so we'll just jump into the ups and downs as we continue this train wreck of a season. Um, number one, Franchi Cordero continues to hold it down, Eric. I feel like around this time, not around this time last year, but around this time of in terms of accrued at-bats and plate appearances last year, he really started to tail off. He has yet to do that. Uh, currently, he goes into this evening, per fan graphs, slashing 271, 347, 518 slugging, He's 41% above league average, um, and he's actually walking a lot more, about 10% of the time, which is, you know, the one thing we wanted to see, right? We want to see a, a plate discipline improvement for him because that's really the way he's going to tap into his power and break out. Yeah, I keep waiting to see that on-base percentage dip under 300, and it's just not doing it. No, it's actually so going up. Yeah, that's that's really good. It's a really good sign to see, and to the point where people are saying, hey, maybe Franchi's going to be long-term instead of Margot, because Margot is struggling. But you know how we are as a Padre fan base. It's, hey, what's happening uh, right now who's is we? the future. That's who's me. Who's we? I know, that's you. I speak that's for you, all you, Padres Twitter. You flip-flopping bastard. Yeah. Uh, that's you. But no, I mean, even, I mean, yeah, worst-case scenario, Margot doesn't work out, and Franchi does. I don't think that's such a bad thing because at least they have the depth and prospects to where oh damn Margot didn't work out but I think Franchi if he does end up playing center even if his defense isn't what Margot's is even if it's average with that offensive ceiling he's still an all-star I would like to think that both of them are going to work out yeah that'd be and nice hopefully Franchi will be our left fielder for years to come which unfortunately sucks because we'll have uh, Marcus Pond coming on later on from Mad Friars but uh Fran Reyes dude had a week had a week for the ages last yes. week but um, kind of bums me out because uh, for the foreseeable future, Myers is going to be in right. Yep. Uh, you like to hope that Margot's in center and Franchi's in left. So really, Hosmer is raking. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. So unfortunately, there's no room for guys like Reyes at this point. So maybe he's I, – I personally think he's going to get traded. But. I think him and Naylor and those are the guys I, I see them using as like uh, what the Astros did, right? They yeah. go out and they get a uh, – they go get a Cole or a Verlander where they dump some, some high upside guys um, – to try to get a piece. But uh, sticking with Franchi, um, I mean, everything's cutting down this year. Last year, he played in 30 games. He's at 23 right now. So, I mean, it's still small sample size, but, you know, it's like uh, Marver said, right? The bigger the sample size, the more, you know, towards uh, normalizing you're getting. But he has been making progress. He's walking a lot more. Last year is 6.1%. Now it's 10.4%. Nice. Uh, 44% strikeout rate last year. Uh, this year, 33%. 
obviously the on-base is up. The slugging is going to go up because of that. Well above league average. The biggest thing that we touched on um, off-air when we were prepping was his, uh, in terms of swing at pitches, he's a lot more selective. He's swinging less at pitches in the zone, but more importantly, he's swinging at less pitches out of the zone. Uh, last year, 38% of the time, so 38 out of every balls that would have been called balls out of the strike zone, he swung out. This year, he's cut that down to 28% so far. And that's huge. It is, because it, and assuming that it's not a fluke, assuming that even if it normalizes, it's an improvement. I don't think things like that are a fluke, though. Maybe, maybe not. I think that's a skill. I, I think plate discipline as time goes on is a skill. It could just be something where he's getting so comfortable and in such a rhythm and maturing that he understands, I like a pitch right here, and I'm just going to sit on that pitch until there's two strikes and I don't have a choice. Right. Because that could be also why he's not – because you can swing at strikes, but there's a difference between a good pitch to hit that's a strike and then, you know, a Greg Maddox two-seamer down and away in a corner. Yeah. So it could be where he's just zoning in on a particular area, a particular quadrant, as they call it. Right. And – looking for that particular pitch until he has to protect yeah. which to me shows a sign of maturity yeah it's, it seems like he has a better approach and he has a better process and that is directly reflective in the numbers he's put up so far i did and i didn't watch uh, a lot of the mexico series um, but i did see a couple of at bats and then even in the giant series that he ground he was grinding out um, a couple of at bats out there you know working the count getting into deep counts which is a positive because of the guys on the team right now the 25-man roster and this includes hosmer myers margot the whole shebang I think he's got the most up, uh, uh, upside offensively of all those guys. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, it seems like he's hitting the ball the hardest out of any <laughs> Yeah. So if he can translate that into consistent contact and in-game power, wow. Yeah. Is he up like five to six, five, six or seven balls? He's hit 116 miles an hour or harder? He's up there. That is crushed. Yeah, he's up there for sure. I mean, rush. You know, a, a part of his game where that uh, people have talked about, and I'll base, basically go off the eye test, is his defense, right? So it seems like when I watch the games, and I, I've watched probably 95% of the games, but like I said before, a lot of time I'm tuning out. I'm on Twitter. I'm seeing what's going on, stirring, stirring stuff up. Yes. But, uh, just based off the eye test, it seems like he is kind of shaky on the routes he takes the balls. There's some uh, balls like off the wall, for example, that I think he could play a little bit better. But I think uh, as time goes on, he'll be able to work those those kinks out. And uh, I think what he brings to the plate more than outweighs any def- uh, deficiencies he would have in the outfield. Yeah. He ruined Tyson Ross's no-hitter. He did. He absolutely ruined it. But... He's been awful defensively, by yeah. the way, if you're curious. Uh, I, I, yeah, I was yeah. wondering how he rated out defensively. Because he doesn't look doesn't like, like he's that great. <laughs> yeah. Ultimate zone rating doesn't like him. He's almost three runs below league average there. He's six runs below average uh, per defensive run saved i know people don't like those stats but hey guys that's what we got i don't have access to Statcast, which don't, would be nice weren't we saying earlier though weren't you the guy that was saying that hey you need a bigger for ultimate zone rating yeah size? yeah ultimate okay. zone rating yeah uh defensive run saves i think so too but you know it's something right it's not nothing it, it could be noise but it may not be and at the end of the day his bat more than outweighs those negatives this is why you stick him in left field <laughs> yeah exactly because <laughs> the bat the base running because he He's stolen some bases. I think he yeah. stole third against San Francisco last week. So um, he's making an impact. You know, if I have to sacrifice and have a below average left fielder who's an above average hitter and above average base runner, to me that's at least, at worst, a slightly above average uh, everyday guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the epitome of a player that you want to see in years like this where we're clearly not going to compete. You want to see what this guy can do. You want to give him all the opportunities that he can get to show what, we, what he can have and what he can be as a future piece when the team's eventually good again, which yeah. I do think they will be. And he is claiming that spot. I mean, he's it, it's kind of, I mean, I know Villa Nueva is struggling, struggling right now, but it's kind of the same situation, right? It's like, okay, we want this guy seemingly to take the opportunity and, and take advantage of it. And as soon as he came off the DL, I mean, it worked out with Renfro getting hurt um, in terms of timing and not having to worry about who sits. 
But I feel like they've wanted Franchi to take that spot for a while now. I feel like they gave up on Renfro at the end of last year. We've heard through uh, our sources that you know Renfro's been sat down a couple of times and told like you need to make an improvement or you know you're done. Yeah. And maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. He hasn't really gotten the chances. But it seems like Franchi is the type of player they're favoring. Anyways, he seems like the AJ Preller type, right? He's big. Loud tools. Yeah, loud tools. Exactly. The Logan White type, right? Because right. when Logan White was asked about, you know, how do you go into drafting players? Because he's a guy that drafted Matt Kemp and, you know, guys like that. It's, I look for superstars. I look for loud, athletic tools. And Franchi fits that profile. Yeah, he does. Loud bat, loud speed. Maybe he gets good defensively, but he has those those, uh, those big tools where he's not a five-tool guy, but he's got the ones, you know, oh, man, this guy can really – he's got natural loft. He hits the ball really hard. Um, he's got, you know – a pl- you know, above average or plus speed so he fits more I think what Preller looks for than Renfro which makes sense why they were favoring Franchi and probably hoping he'd take the spot anyways yeah I mean ultimately and we've always said this if it's between Renfro, Perella or whatever if it, if Franchi's in the equation Franchi is the answer you I know? agree like he's he's the guy that's going to get the chances I, if you're going to live and die with a prospect and I use that term loosely for Renfro um, I'm going with Franchi over a guy like Renfro because I feel like I feel like the writing on the, is on the wall for Renfro. Like we we know exactly what he is, right? I mean, I, I think so. I, the ceiling, Renfro is he is a uh, he's he's not Chase Headley, but he's that college type of player, right? That Jerko, the Headley, where they're top prospects not because of the upside, but because of the not because of the ceiling, but because of the floor. Right. People ask. I think Craig Meddy had asked. You know, I never got why Lauer was ranked so highly. It's not because there's a ton of upside there. Lucchese's the same way. He just happens to be pitching really well. Um, and Lauer had a couple of... He basically had a game in a third where he was really rough. But it's the, it's the floor. It's that these guys are going to be in the minors for a couple of years, three years tops, and then they're going to be major league ready. That's how it was for Jerko. It's how it was for Khalil Green. Chase Headley was that kind of prospect. Lauer, Lucchese, Renfro, that's, that's what they are. They're college players who they're advanced for their age. They can run through the minors fairly quickly and get to the major leagues quicker at 23, 24, when ideally they're developed, but the ceilings aren't as high. And that was always Renfro's issues, that the power is going to be there, but is he going to be able to develop a decent enough approach to tap into it? And he had contact issues anyways. Yeah. So I think you were always limited on what Renfro was going to be. Well, now he's hurt. I mean, yeah, we, we have that issue with his elbow. And, I mean, we, we don't want to sit here and, and toot our own, horn, our own horn, but we do have sources, right? So we have people who tell us things are happening in the organization. Renfro, he's going to get his elbow amputated. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to break it this way to you guys. We have it before Oh, did, uh, did we put him in through the uh, Padres injury generator? <laughs> yeah, he's gone for good. So, um, But, no, they, I mean, on a serious note, it does seem like they're kind of quiet. You don't hear a whole lot of what's going on with yeah. Renfro. Um, I think timetable-wise, he's to the point where he could be back, but you're still not hearing anything. So that kind of brings a little bit of concern of if he is good to go or not. But let's say in a perfect world he comes back from injury. Um, who's the odd man out for the for the outfield at this point? Because Jankowski's been doing decent out there. Yeah, but I think Jankowski is just going through small sample size. And we feel theater. the same way about Jankowski. Yeah, fifth but... outfielder. Scherzer, honestly. Or Caesar, Caesar, excuse me. I was going to say, we got Scherzer. Every time I say, yeah, I wish we had Scherzer, right? Um, I liked your tweet, by the way, of uh, wishing he... Uh, Pitched oh, yeah. in the series so we can see a 27 strikeout performance. You know what happened. How many pitches would he throw in that game? I 81. <laughs> 81. <laughs> but, um, no, I think Caesar's the odd man out. Because the only reason he's on the team now is because he's a right-handed bat off the bench who you can stand in center. Jankowski fills that, and so does Cordero. Uh, Jankowski better defensively but can't hit. Um, so What do you think about Margot, though? 
Because we kind of talked about it beforehand. Didn't we you? did, yeah. And I know you wanted we wanted to transition into that with with the Franchi talk. Honestly, Margot's just been getting bad luck. I, I if you guys ever want to look up, you know, really in depth stuff, Fangraphs is a lot more accessible. You don't have to click different tabs than Baseball Reference. But you know, Margot, I, I, I try to dive into numbers, right? I, I talked about it. Um, I think it was last week. Batting average on balls in play, extremely unlucky. I mean, extremely unlucky. Like two twenty five, and last year he hit three oh nine. You know, I look at, you know, how he's hitting the ball. He's pulling the ball more. He's hitting the ball more up the middle, and he's going the other way a lot. So maybe that has something to do with it. But then I look at his contact percentages. Soft contact percentage, cutting that down. So he's hitting the ball softly 18% of the time this year to this point compared to 25% of the time last year, almost 26. Medium contact, he's about the same. 48 49% last year, 50% this year. Hard contact percentage, 25% last year. This year he's almost at 32%. Oh, wow. So 32 of every 100 balls he's putting into play, he is hitting hard. and he's Harder hitting than last year. Harder than last By year, about, yeah. What was the difference? 32 to 25? It, yeah. About 7% harder 7% than last difference. year. 7% difference, yeah. So most of it, he's, he's sitting medium to hard contact the majority of the time. That's, to me, just unlucky. It's just something you have to write out while you wait for him to, you know, baseball is peaks and valleys, right? We've, Hosmer is a prime example. You know, Margot is not a walks guy yet. Uh, maybe he does it, you know, as he matures, but he's not a walks guy. He is a contact-oriented guy. With guys like that, with guys like uh, we comped into Lorenzo Cain, right? Like that's right. what we hope he's in. Lorenzo Cain's the same way. He's not a walks guy. He's probably, if I guessed, eight to ten percent tops. Hosmer going into this year or last year wasn't really a walks guy. He's another guy who just, you know, put the ball in play. When you when you live and die with with making contact, you're going to go through peaks and valleys. Not everybody's fucking Tony Gwynn, where they can just punch singles whenever they feel like it or punch doubles. So with Margot, you, I think you have to live with the bad luck and hope that eventually it will normalize, which it will. Yeah. And then he'll just you know be right back on track. He's not going to hit 220 on balls in play, hitting the ball hard. You know, yeah. 32, 33. Eventually, that's going to even itself out. Even medium contact, 50 percent of the time, he's not going to hit 220 on balls in play. He'll but, he'll it'll normalize eventually. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, are we <sighs> to the point where? We just kind of roll with it and let him figure it out and let those balls fall because they eventually will fall. I yeah. mean, it's it's law of averages. It's yeah. eventually going to roll our way for that. Um, or do you put Franchi in center and uh, send Margot down to AAA? You know, I'm not against either or. I can understand if they want him to go to AAA. Um, I, I, I know, you know, I'm the stats guy and put the calculator away. I believe, I believe that, you know, baseball is a game of, you know, it is a mental struggle because... Baseball is a game of failure. You have to accept failure because if you can fail seven out of ten times, you're absolutely successful. Um, So I don't mind if they send him to AAA and say, look, we're going to give you a breather. You know, you're pressing or, you know, just just go down there and just hit in that friendly, you know, environment for a little while. Get your swagger back and then we'll bring you back up, you know, in a month or so just to give you a break. You know, take a breather. And it allows him to stick Renfro back out in the outfield to see what he's got. So I don't think it's such a bad idea. I'm sure people would disagree with it. But from a mental standpoint, there is a mental... People would freak out if Margot gets dropped They would, but it doesn't... It's like when they say... That trade is a bust. Worst trade ever. (laughs) Fire Preller. Yeah. Fire everyone. (laughs) Logan Allen's in double A, by the way, guys. So he could legitimately make his debut in the next calendar year. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, And, uh, but... To me, like baseball, there is a mental aspect of it. And I, I always poke fun at, you know, hey, we play. But, you know, anybody that's played will tell you, sometimes you just need a break. Sometimes you just need to sit down and take a deep breath and just relax because you can press. So I don't think if you're going to, if, if Renfro is healthy and they decide, okay, we're going to let Franchi play center for a little while. 
We're going to put Renfro in left for a little while and just run with it. And we're going to let Margot simmer down in AAA just to get his confidence back, work on some things where there's not pressure to compete. Or I put up those numbers. Yeah, I don't think that's such a bad idea to send him down there. He is still really, really young. You know, he's not... When they sent Renfro down last year, I know people were upset, but it's like he was struggling. There was no reason, there's no reason to say, like, oh, you can't send him down. He was legitimately struggling last year. And then he came back up. He didn't do much better, but nonetheless, I mean... Margot's only 23. Right. Renfro was 24 last year as a prospect, as a rookie, right? Jerko was around 24. Headley was around 23, 24. So you got to understand, yeah, Margot's been in pro ball since he was, uh, I don't know, 16, 17. But from a maturity standpoint, he is still really, really young. So I don't think it's so bad that you sent him down just to give him some time to kind of figure things out and maybe just, you know, get out of the funk of being in, in the majors and just hitting into bad luck because it does wear on you. Yeah. You of all people, you of all people know <laughs> Dude. that it wears on you. Eric on Sunday hits two balls, frozen ropes to third base. He's out. I went 0 for 4. I was mad as hell. Yeah, he's out. he didn't strike out. I got gassed. I struck out. If you guys want, I can post the the, uh, the gif of me getting blown away on a 40-mile-an-hour fastball. <laughs> I'll put that on Twitter if you uh, just No one cares me. about us playing ball, dude. No, they don't. But if they want to make fun of me for it, I'm all for it. But Eric is a prime example. He hits two balls on the nose. Right at the third baseman. And he's furious. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Well, yeah. You're not doing anything wrong. You just you hit two of the four balls you put into play on a line. You just hit them right at somebody. I was so mad, in fact, I took a shower in my jersey. <laughs> I'm a superstitious guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that was amazing. Yeah, those of you who follow me on Snapchat. That I was amazing. That guys, um, and uh, <laughs> and it's going to be, uh, I believe it's going to be published soon enough, but uh, we were lucky enough to hang out with uh, Kevin Charity. Oh, great time, dude. Great time. We yeah. were lucky enough to hang out with him. Uh, ran into Dallas of the Kept Faith. Even uh, Bulldozer showed up for a little bit. Yeah. Um, he didn't want to go on the. He didn't want to go on there. But Bulldozer <laughs> popped in for a little bit. Who yeah. gave that dirtbag a press pass? Yeah, seriously. But um, we got to hang out with Kevin Charity as he interviewed Buddy Reed. You guys can check that out, MadFriars.com, um, when they post it at MadFriars. But Buddy Reed made a really good point about you know his approach and saying I can't control what happens when I hit the ball. Right. My goal is to hit the ball hard, make quality contact, have a good approach, look for my pitch, and just try to drive the ball. And let whatever happens happen. To me, you know, that's pretty much what's going on with Margot. He's not doing anything wrong. He's pulling the ball more mm-hmm. and he's hitting the ball harder, more right. consistent. Maybe not harder velocity wise, but he's consistently making harder contact per fan graphs. Which is why, and I'll let you finish, but that's why I like doing this with you because you are the guy that will dive into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like, I don't like Babbitt just because how I am. I, I don't, and I know this might sound stupid. I don't like using my calculator. No, no, dude, but like, for when when people say oh <laughs> my baseball, abacus. when people say baseball is a game of luck, I'm like not really, dude, because you got to hit the ball hard. You were you were unlucky hitting two balls on the screws right at the third baseman. Yeah, but then, who sucked by the way and still managed to field it. Yeah, but then like then when you look into it, like soft contact percentage, medium, and then hard contact. Yeah. I think it's very interesting that he has a lower Babbitt, but he's hitting the ball harder than he was last year. Yeah, so that it, that does tell you he's hitting it, he's hitting it harder, but he's hitting it right at the people. Hosmer so. is a prime example. Like last year, um, Hosmer had like his lowest like hard hit contact rate of his career. I have to look it up Good job. as I almost knocked over our digital studio here. Good job. Um, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure like hard contact, he was actually on the lower end of his career, uh-huh. but he put up his best year. He was a four war player last year. Last year was absolutely a platform year for him. He's on pace to be four wins this year. Oh, too, he's probably going to eclipse that. Yeah. He's still not the best first baseman in the division, but he's number two, which was better than what we started out with. Yeah. Um, he's having a stellar year. I, I will say I, I, I'm bummed that he's doing it on a team that's going to lose a hundred games. Yeah. Which is what my point was in signing him in the first place is that you're blowing these like potentially great years of him. But 
last year's a prime example of hitting the ball not as hard, but somehow having your best year ever. Like right. it's weird, right? Like, but that's the way it goes. Remember that bet we had that one year where I bet you I'd have a higher batting average than you. Again, no one cares about it. I'm just saying, baseball. but but I'm saying as an example, we're gonna get crushed on this week in Pirates. I'm using Twitter. it as an example that. <laughs> <laughs> that I will be the first to tell you, I couldn't hit water if I fell off a boat. Eric hits the ball infinitely harder than I do. But I beat you that year. Yep. Because I had soft single. I basically was soft serving ice cream all year. And you're hitting line drives at guys. Baseball is, to a point, a game of luck. Eventually, you'll normalize. You keep hitting the ball hard. Eventually, ball's going to fall. Ball's going to get in the gaps. You'll normalize. And you'll get back to your normal numbers. Margot, in all reality, of every, uh, all things being normal, would probably be having a pretty good year right now, if not for hitting in that bad luck. Yeah. So... For me, if they want to send him down, great. If they don't, then just let him play. I think you and I are in the boat to where it's it's kind of tough because we're not going to come out one way or another, like for or against something. Because right now, I think, and I'll speak for you, we don't really give it. We don't really care, dude. Like, no, I'm not worried about. We if, know we're going to lose, so let's yeah. just see how let's see how it plays out. Do whatever. They're not in a position to worry about if Andy Green can legitimately manage manage a major league caliber club or if Preller's able to put together a major league caliber club. They're nowhere near that. That is like the least of my worries for like two more years. Just go ahead and say it. 2000. Yeah. Just say it. I mean, I get where his worry comes from, but who gives a shit? They're not going to be like, who cares where they are in the standings? I don't understand. I don't. I get the. I get the concern, but like, come talk to me in 2020. Let's worry about this in a couple of years and they get some more talent flowing in through the system. Like Andy Green has like five legitimate major league caliber players right now yeah. out of 25. That's not very good. That's. That's a terrible ratio. Look at the Dodgers. They t- well, that just means Preller can't put together a team. Yeah. Oh, Ryu's hurt. Damn it. We better pull up top 50 prospect Walker Bueller to go throw a combined no-hitter. Part of the yeah, part of that combined <laughs> no-hitter in Monterey, man. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, damn. Puig's hurt. Well, we better go get our above average, possibly potential all-star at peak outfielder, Alex Verdugo. Bring him up. Yeah. Boy, that must be nice. Yeah. That must be really nice. nice. Um, I feel like we'll get there eventually. <laughs> let's transition to somebody who is not peaking at all. Jose Perella sucks. Stand with Marver. Hashtag I'm with Marver. Hashtag stand, stand with, with Marver. Marver. Hashtag Marver was right and hashtag damn it. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. No home runs for Perella yet. He's not. Interesting. He's, no, he's not. He's not going yard. Um, I saw. P. Rayla. P. Rayla, as in peace, poor Rayla. Yeah. Uh, I saw a funny tweet the other day that said who, you know, he needs to find his launch angle coach. Yeah. <laughs> Ball in the air. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, he's he's been, you know, he hasn't been bad from the standpoint of. He's like awful. He doesn't deserve a roster spot. He's been bad from the standpoint of he's so blah that it's like, why is this backup playing? Yeah. Because if you had a backup hitting 264, the 321 on base, I mean, he's slugging 340, which is awful. But per fan graphs, he's only 12% below league average. That's not a bad backup option to stand in Definitely second not left. a starter. No, but he's not a starter, right? Because that's a Swahe numbers. And yeah. a Swahe is definitely not a starter. No. I'm sorry, ladies. He's yeah. not a starter. So. <laughs> I don't care how thick his eyebrows are. <laughs> I don't it. care how good he looks in a Prince cosplay. He's not a starter. No, he's not. But neither is Perella at this point. And I agreed with uh, good old H.J. Preller, uh, Jagoff's twin brother, that they owed it to themselves to at least give him a shot. Right? Give him 30, 30, 45 days to figure it out and see, was it a fluke? Is he really a backup? What is he? At this point, I think he's a backup. Yeah. And you have Urias, who started off slow, and as soon as wet blanket John Conniff left... Absolutely turned it on. I mean, right. oh, I thought you were going to cut me off. No, yeah, no, he absolutely turned it on. Right now, uh, Urias is walking more than he's striking out. He's, Wait, he's done that his entire pro career well, so far. Percentage-wise, he hasn't. Like percentage-wise, he doesn't strike out at all, anyways. Yeah. But percent, he's walking more now than he was even a couple years ago. 
So his walk rate's going up, which percentage. again is a skill. Yes, which is a skill, right? You, you know, it's, it's been proven time and time again. As you get older, Hosmer is another prime example. Yep. I'm really starting to like Eric Hosmer, a charming man, but he's a prime example, right? As you get older, you know your plate discipline typically will improve. You start taking more pitches. Jorge Soler this year has gotten to that point. If you go look up his numbers, he's looking like the guy they thought he was. So. Urias is doing that, and he's not even in the pros yet. What is he, 21? Something like that. Yeah, 20, 21. He's barely legal to drink in the U.S. <laughs> so you have that. Maybe that's you... why they didn't send him to <laughs> Yeah, they want him to get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> they Who probably does? want him to get kidnapped. You know, They know he has money, and he's not from a nice part of town, uh-huh. allegedly. Okay, go ahead. Anyways. But you have that, and you have, you know, Jesus you know that he's raking. He's hitting for more power. PCL, but still got to hit the ball over the fence. Yeah. And then you have Perella posting a 340 slugging. <laughs> exactly. And it's, I, I know you were itching, Dude, itching for Urias to come up this past week. I wanted him to come up so bad for the Monterey Series. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of hokey, right? Like, oh, hey, bring him up for the Monterey <laughs> Series because it's in Mexico and he's Mexican. I, I get that, right? But part of, part of me saying it was for that reason – but the main part is, dude, Urias, he's ready. What does he have to prove, right? Yeah. We asked we asked our pal Conniff. We said, hey, like, what, what's what's the holdup, right? And he's and John goes, hey, here's the link. Go read the Brahas interview. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> so uh, I, I click on it. And I read the interview, and the first thing that, that he asks him is, uh, hey, like, what do you guys want to see out of Urias? What is he or Urias? What is he working on? And uh, he paraphrasing, he said something to the extent of, we want to see more aggressiveness out of him on the base pass. We want to see his defensive instincts improve. Uh, things that don't show up on the scout on the stat line. Scouts say he could play. I mean, not he's not a long-term shortstop, but if you stick him over there, at worst he can hold it down. His offense is enough to provide value. Which, by the way, you think Galvis can't use a day off? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's been awful. I know, right? I mean, he's been terrible. He's been Freddie Galvis. He hasn't been awful to me. I told you guys. Well, I tried to warn you. If you bring up Urias, you give him the everyday role at second. He gets to play every day there. When Galvis needs a blow, guess what? You have Urias over there. I give do him think Galvis could use there. a day off because I know he's an Iron Man, but dude, you're not hitting. Yeah, but the thing is, aggressiveness on the base pass, yeah. defensive instincts, those aren't things you can work at at the major league level. Maybe. Well, at mean, the same time, getting the yeah. point, getting the chance to get your legs, your feet wet uh, in the major league level. Like, I really want to see where it is. I think he's ready. I think it's I think it's crap that they're holding him down longer than they, honestly, than they should. I agree with you. I think it just comes down to they have a lot of log jams in terms of what they're going to do with guys like Perella. But there's no yeah. doubt whatsoever that he is the future at Tech. Oh, absolutely not. So why not go with him right now? I could argue why. Why bring him up on this crappy team when you're still trying to figure stuff out with other guys and you're not really hard Because pressed. the sooner you bring him up, the sooner he quote-unquote figures it out. I think he'll be fine. I think his, I think he's the kind of player. He's the kind of player where he's already got such a high floor. He gets that, experience yeah. under his belt. I don't see the issue. What else is he going to prove at El Paso? I agree with you. but And I'm sure he'll be up soon enough because uh, Perella and his three ground balls per fly ball ratio is not going to last. By the way, Perella... Uh, cosplaying as Eric Hosmer this year with a 61.3% ground ball rate. <laughs> Six out of every 10. Yeah. Uh, his fly ball rate's dropped 11%. And he's uh, booted up his infield fly ball rate by almost 10%. Ouch. And he has a 0% home run per fly ball rate, accordingly. Um, yeah, hard, he hasn't hit any home runs. Hard contact's down, medium contact's down. Uh, soft contact is up by a lot. He has been a... He's been terrible. For a backup. <laughs> for a backup. But exactly. he has been Throwing terrible for an every yeah, he has been terrible for an everyday guy. Um it's time to move on and move him out of the way. Uh and I mean Urias is ready. He's slugging four sixty. He's got a four thirty eight on base, he's hitting three thirteen in triple A. Just bring him up. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Uh moving on and um not only moving on, but moving on from this experiment gone wrong, 
Brian Mitchell, not into the sun, men's rail, we're sorry, <laughs> but into the bullpen yeah. to be replaced by Brian Mitchell 2.0, Jordan Lyles. <laughs> you know, I'm just glad they got him out of the rotation. I finally. am too. Which he kind of, like, did you see the... Um... No, actually, I saw that on Twitter we were tagged in something, so I wanted to uh, look that up right now because... Um, the thing that Gavin posted, right? Yeah, so exactly. So this is in yeah, our Padre Twitter segment. So we'll get to this one first, but we do have the Padre Twitter segment. Thanks for your guys' response. Um, Gavin, he says, you guys see this. Interesting. Didn't see anyone else report on it. Thoughts? Um, he gave a tweet from, uh, this guy says, Robbie Martin, at Rob Martin. Yeah. Uh, it's, and this guy tweets, what's the vibe in the clubhouse about Mitchell? In Mexico, sitting above the dugout, you can hear him screaming at Andy Green, quote, you don't know what you're fucking doing. End quote. Among other crude things, and his answers in interviews appear he's in denial about how good he is. Thoughts? Yeah, and wow. this is, and we'll touch on this right now. Here's what Gavin had to say at CT2SD. I just read what he said. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, are well, you not I, paying attention? I was reading the tweet. Okay, but um, did you re- did you hear what Mitchell had to say after? I I heard of it. I didn't actually hear it verbatim, but I heard of it that he's basically he's basically. Pulling the Matt Harvey is what he's exactly. Doing. He he's seems like Harvey. he's shocked that people could yeah. think that he's bad. Yeah, like, he's like, "What do you mean? Well, I'm doing guy, my job. you have a six four seven ERA, and you haven't been unlucky. I touched on this before, guys. If if you like an advanced stat, you can understand. There's three things a pitcher can control. Right. Once you give up contact, it's up to the fielders. But the three things you're at fault for, or you know, that go credit: strikeouts, walks, home runs. All three on you. You control if you throw strikes or not. You control if you leave the ball over the plate to give up a home run. And you control if you walk a batter. He has a six, seven, three, you know, fielding independent pitching, strikeouts, walks, home runs. That's what you would expect his ERA to be. So you haven't been unlucky, guy. In fact, you know, you've been a little bit lucky because your ERA is .3 runs lower than what we probably should expect. You've thrown 32 innings in seven games. That's not even five innings a start. That's right. bare, that's like four and a half innings a start. In those 32 innings, you've given up 38 hits, 26 <laughs> walks, only 16 strikeouts. Your ERA plus is 59 which is 41% below league average. You're not even a replacement-level starter at this point. You're on pace for, like, minus three war, yeah. which thanks for helping the tank. And you have a 7.3 walks per nine rate. Awful. And you can't even get through five innings. For that to be that high and you're averaging four and a half innings a start, it's time for a wake-up call, Brian. You're not any good, yeah. at least not as a starter. Maybe you can turn around as a reliever. Brad Hans sucked as a starter, too. Probably not this bad. But, but he sucked as a starter nonetheless. Maybe you turn around the bullpen. But you suck. And I don't think it's a thing on Andy Green that, you know, it's his fault. It's not his fault. You suck. He's giving you the opportunity. Pull a Villanueva. Pull a Salarte. Pull a a Franchi. Take advantage of it. Get better. Or get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. I find that very interesting. I'd be interested to hear if that's actually true. As would I. But if he's yelling those things at Green in the dugout during the game, that's bad, dude. That's a bad look. At least... At the very, because there's only so much Green can do, right? Because he doesn't control the roster moves. The front office does. Green, right. Green is given a grocery list to try to make dinner. He doesn't get to make dinner on his own. I feel like Green is doing everything he can at this point by taking him out of the rotation. Yeah, and I agree that's with his you. call. And and I was, that's why we're best friends. That's exactly what I was going to say. At this point, that's the most he could do to say, "I'm not going to put up with this garbage. Yeah. I'm going to pull you from the rotation because nothing is earned. You're given every opportunity. I gave you more opportunity. I gave Perdomo, who has way more upside and who's been pitching into bad luck far more than Brian Mitchell has. Uh, Perdomo's peripherals, or when you get get out of the surface level numbers and dive in like I like to do, you would actually expect him to be at least, you know, league average five-starter type, right? Right. Mitchell's not even, he's not even major league caliber. He's not even a 4A guy. I'd rather they bring up Walker Lockett or give Kyle Lloyd another shot or, hell, bring up some bum from double A. 
yeah. more than more than Mitchell. I'd take Miguel Diaz at this point. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I mean, at this point, I, I want to see Perdomo over Yeah, Mitchell. give me Perdomo. At least he gets yeah. ground balls. Jesus almighty. I, just I, don't hit him at Villa. I think it's kind of funny, too, that they just, instead of uh, moving Perdomo to the bullpen, they just said, hey, go, go to El Paso. Yeah, and I think because they have more faith in Perdomo and they probably want... He had a really good start last week he in did. El Paso. Yeah. Um, really good start. But I think it's because... And they might view it as punishment. I do think they like Perdomo a lot. The fact that he was in the rotation as quick as he was the first year they had him and that he basically was given the spot last year. Yeah. And that they decided instead of moving him to the bullpen, they want him to start in El Paso. I think that's a sign of faith that we still believe in you as a starter, but let's get you out of here in this what could be a toxic environment for you mentally and put you in AAA where we're not really going to care about your numbers. You just get to go down and work on some things and work on some kicks. Well, from what we were told that they wanted him to work, they wanted to see his confidence. Yeah. And that's fine, and I and I and I like that. I don't mind that, even though we were like, well, this whole you got to compete at this level, crap. But they only gave Mitchell two more starts. What I think two, maybe three more starts after that, right? To figure his shit out. And dude, you know how I was reminded that uh, Mitchell went to the pen was because I was sitting here right before he came over. I was um, I was putting some stuff away, and I was like, dude, I was like, oh well, yeah. Well, I did text you about it before I came over. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I I, I'm not I didn't read your text. Yeah, I don't think I read it. But I was sitting here, and I was thinking, because I'm going to the game on Friday night and Saturday night. And so I was sitting here, I was putting some things away. I was like, oh, shit. And I was trying to count down the starts. I was like, I'm not going to see Mitchell. (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to see Mitchell, am I? And I was sitting there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he went to the pen. I'm like, oh, thank God. Who are you seeing this weekend? Thank God. I I haven't counted it out. Hopefully, uh... Probably Lauer. Your friend Tyson? Is Tyson going to be there? No, Tyson threw yesterday. He didn't do too well against... Well, maybe Tyson on Saturday. Maybe Tyson. If he threw on Monday. Uh, I'm assuming I'll see Lauer. Yeah. I'm assuming I'll see Lauer on Friday and Craig Tyson on Saturday. There you go. So, That's good. Yeah, I'll take that. Lauer's interesting. Lauer's yeah. looked really good. As I, he pitched very well against the Dodgers. Yeah, he did. Very, very well. He did. There's the upside. He's like he just doesn't throw as hard as Lucchese, and he's a lot more. He has a funky like sling in yeah. the way he throws the ball. Yeah, he does. But he's similar to Lucchese, right? Move the ball up, down, side to side. Stay away from the middle, and he does just fine. But yeah. back to Mitchell. Um, yeah, I mean, there's only so much Andrew Green can do, right? Like, how are you going to punish the guy? How do you punish the starting pitcher? Pull his ass from the rotation. Yeah. I feel like that's the only thing Green could really do because they're not – I know people want to cut Mitchell. I think the Potters owe it to themselves to at least see what they can get out of him as a bullpen piece. Put him on waivers, dude. Get him out of here. I'm I, sick of him. I and think, then hearing that crap, whether yeah. it's true or not. Well, what I don't know. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm already drawing conclusions alleged, over here. If it's true. I wouldn't put it past him judging on those post-game comments. True. If it is true, if it's legitimately true – then Preller is not doing Andy Green any good by keeping him on the roster. No. At that point, you have to go ahead and say, we're going to go ahead and sign you. We're going to put you through waivers. And if nobody wants you, you sit him down and you tell him, look, you just cleared waivers. 29 other teams, five or six of which who are worse than us. And we're talking about the Orioles, who are just awful. They just dropped a 10 spot to the yeah, Royals, who aren't 10, any good. Yeah. Yeah. They dropped a 10 spot to the Royals, who aren't any good, right. in the first inning. So 20, if 29 other teams pass on him, you pull the Billy Bean to David Justice uh, in Moneyball and said, <laughs> We're getting paid, you know, we paid to keep you, but no other team wanted you. Yep. We gave you, we could give you up for free at league minimum, and no other team was willing to take a shot if you were to clear waivers. 29 other teams. You sit them down, you throw them in AAA, you tell them, go prove yourself down there, and until then, you're just going to rot there until you show us that, you know, you're the guy we thought you were. Yeah. And never hear from him again because he's probably not. He's trash, dude. He is garbage. I can understand, up until that comment, because I didn't know he said that, um, I heard the postgame comments. And I can understand a pitcher wanting to maintain confidence and not wanting to say, yeah, I suck. But if the Andy Green comments are true, they, they need to just reassign him to AAA, hope to God he gets uh, claimed. And if he doesn't, either just use him as depth or cut him. One of the two. If he didn't say that, because we don't know for sure, then I don't mind them giving him a shot out of the bullpen. Yeah. 
It'll be interesting to see, to say the least. Because, I, I, like, how will they use him out of the bullpen? They use him in mop-up, long relief. How Honestly, they, I use him as a one-inning guy. I mean, you're not gonna, he's not going to be your seventh-inning guy when you have the lead. No, I, I would use him the I, way they used Makita, right? Where they were... Uh, well, Makita went down AAA. He did, yeah. which is fine. He could throw a soap bubble. Good luck in El Paso, bud. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Soap bubble. <laughs> but, you know, I would use him in, like, really... Long, like, hey, we're getting blown out. Go give us an inning or two. Right. Basically how they've been using Jordan Lyles to this point. Yeah. Who's not much of an improvement, but, you know, I mean, he can't be worse. Can he? Yeah, can he? I was going to say, are you sure about that, pal? Yeah, so, uh, you know, with that, anything else you want to touch on before we bring on good old uh, I Bumped Charity this week's uh, guest, Marcus Pond? <laughs> yeah, we'll bring Marcus on after we do the Padre Twitter segment. Oh, that's so right. Let's get right. into that first. So I was kind of reading. Pull that up for you. I, I was kind of reading that thing here, and, and that caught me off guard there. Cause yeah, dude, Gavin, that's... Gavin put that on there after we started recording. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a trip, dude. So uh, let's let's get into a couple of them that kind of tie together first. Here. Sure. So, um, Valiendo Padres. He says, should calculators be banned from baseball? <laughs> no, they shouldn't because how are you going to calculate batting average? Yeah. And then he says, uh, no, but for real, sports curses aren't real. Change my mind. I can't because I don't believe in sport curses. Yeah, I, I don't either, to be honest with you. I believe in like bad management, which I guess could kind of be like bad luck. But curse is kind of like bad luck, right? Yeah. Similar. So the calculator comment kind of ties into what Patrick Brewer says uh, jokingly. Sign Adam Jones. Oh, God. At Patrick Brewer 93. So uh, a few people were bringing up this discussion yesterday from, uh, I think it was Jerry Krasnick was on with Ben and Woods on 1090 in the morning. And he said, hey, if you're looking for value in the free agent market, you can do a lot worse than Adam Jones. Yeah, and I tweeted, you could also do a lot better. Yeah, exactly. So a lot. Josh Donaldson's going to be a pretty valuable sign considering what his counterpart's going to sign for. Well, a lot of people were saying, hey, um, there was one guy, uh, Sean Conning in particular, saying, hey, I want to bring him in. Bring him Adam Jones. Why the hell would you bring in Adam Jones? I could see, like... I can't see any scenario where bringing in Adam Jones makes sense. I could see... A team if they were good, right? Like if they're like the Astros, like the Astros bringing in Reddick, right? Right. Like you know Reddick isn't what he once was when he was with Oakland, but you know he's going to be a solid everyday guy. You bat him sixth, and you get solid everyday production out of him out of a corner. If they're in that position, they didn't have a guy for left or right field. Absolutely makes sense to get him on a short term deal. But he's 32. You made a really good point that he has never posted an on base like above 330. No, no. Well, he has twice in his twice entire in career. his entire career. He is 32. Yep. Okay. He's not Mike Cameron. Like, he's not Mike Cameron defensively. No. The defensive numbers have, for the most part, never liked anything about him other than he's had a pretty good arm. But he's not, he doesn't get on base. He is in decline. He's a league, he's a slightly above league average hitter at best who's going to be 33 in his first year of free agency. Yeah. That's not a guy you bring in unless you're going to bring him in on a one year deal because you just need to fill, you need to put bodies out there. Right. Yeah. Not on this team. No. Not up in here. No. Not on the Padres, damn yeah. it. No. Um, maybe like in 2007 Padres, sure. But he's not better than Cordero right now. Like if you had to choose, if you put Adam Jones and Franchi Cordero in the free agent market right now, is anybody going to choose Adam Jones over Franchi Cordero? If you don't, if you just well, yeah, of course of they are, just because of well, the just name, take, the name price factor alone. Well, just take price out of it. Take name value, take price out of it. Oh, kind of like player A, player B type yeah, thing. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So just take name out of it. Just go for age, upside, overall production. Right now, put those two guys in the free agent market. No one's taking Jones. And, yeah, and you're not paying anything. You just get to pick, right? It's fantasy. Yeah. yeah. So no one's taking. Nobody's Jones. taking Jones. Yeah, Nobody's going to take a 32 year old center fielder who's never been great. And I, I was there. At Petco, you were there, but yeah. I was there on the deck. Best catch I've ever seen. Right live. behind him, right yeah. behind him when he made that catch. The it was greatest, amazing. Greatest catch I've ever seen live. I was yeah. right there, feet, you know, mere feet away. Amazing moment. It doesn't mean jack shit because yeah. the reality is, 
the totality of Adam Jones as a player, he's not good. Like, he wasn't really better would, than Margot last year. I would venture to say that for a majority... People are going to shit on me for that, by the way. Oh, well, you just wait. I would venture to say for a majority of his career, he's been overrated. Oh, Because absolutely. he can't get on base. Absolutely. He can't get on base. The whole point of the game is to not make outs. And Adam Jones is not good at that. He does not get on base. He makes a lot of outs. Yeah, he hits for power. He's hit for power before. He's not that great defensively. He's getting older. I, I didn't want to go on tangent for Adam Jones, but man, that that kind of stuff. That was it was kind of funny yesterday reading that stuff. And then Woods comes out and says, "Oh, I was trolling." I was like, "Where are you, pal?" No. Do you kind of see that? Hey, I'm wrong. For like a three-year run, Adam Jones is a five-win player, which is an All-Star caliber center fielder. But that was three. That was four years ago now. Yeah, and those days aren't coming back. No, it's not. I mean, like... And by the way, that power, he's been playing the AL East, okay? It's 250 feet to get out of Yankee Yeah, State. I mean, he's been putting up, you know, in terms of like, you know, when you normalize his numbers and you look at what he does compared to league average, you know, overall career, he's 107. He's 107 last year, 97 the year before, 111, 117, 119. You know, 127 was his career. That was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. You know, he's been slowly but surely, you know, normalizing towards mediocre, maybe slightly above that offensively. And then you think about, well, you know, he he plays center field, but he ain't very good at it. I mean, like I said, guys, just go to fan graphs and scroll down. You look at, you know, overall defensive run save for his career as an outfielder. He's minus 19 runs. Yeah. 22, minus 22 in center. He's just not a good, he's just not a good outfielder. And this is in a a, a ballpark that's not really that big. You put him in Petco Park and in those gaps, he's going to be bad. Awful. Great, he made one great play in the in the World Baseball Classic, but it's a highlight reel play, right? It doesn't doesn't mean anything long term. Yeah, and and I know you said like you know, you feel like he's overrated for a three year run. He was very good, but guess who else was playing center field at that time? Mike Trout, and he is nowhere near as good as Mike Trout. He is not he is not a piece that they should go out and get. They, yeah. th- that I would be furious if that was the type of free agent because even like with the Donaldson, yeah, Donaldson's older. Donaldson is far better. Well, Patrick, to his than, credit, than Patrick Adam. said it best. He said, "You play for you pay for what a player is, not for what they were." Yeah, you like know. right now, they're giving Hosmer what twenty million right now. He is absolutely worth that money at this particular moment in time. Right, and I agree with that. Like Adam Jones, you can crap on me all you want. Totality, base running, offense, defense. He was not really better than Manny Margot last year. Yeah, I mean, kind of, sorta, but not significantly so that you're going to pay him. You know. 10, 15, 20 times as much as you're going to pay league minimum for Margot. Yeah. Well, then Sean says, oh, uh, I mean, I'm not saying uh, Max. Just bring him in for two or three years. Why? Why? He's going to be 35. <laughs> He's not Mike Jesus. Cameron. He's uh, not Mike Cameron. God. And then and then Sean says that uh, my my opinion brings more value because I still play on Sundays and Patrick Brewer doesn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought well, that was pretty funny. <laughs> hey, Eric, I guess we're experts. Good times. Good, good times. That makes Woods the Peter Gammons of... <laughs> yeah. of uh, of uh, baseball talk. Yeah, uh. Bill James himself. Um, <laughs> Jake Tremblay at Jake Labita. He says, how would you feel if Hedges and Margot were busts? Uh, would we be upset if it was Allen, Austin Allen, a catcher, Franchi Myers, and Reyes in the outfield? Um, he says he doubts Franchi's long-term in center, but it'd be fun for a year or two. Um, how would you feel if we'll, – we'll, we'll go off the beginning part – if Hedges and Margot were busts? So we kind of talked about that this earlier. It's a really good question because it's very much a possibility, particularly with Hedges. Neither one of us think Margot's going to be a bust. I don't think um, so either. I Honestly, I mean, I wouldn't say bust. I mean, I guess, hey, if he doesn't work out, then technically All he's got to do bust. is be – I think Hedges is a bust. I think he's going to be a bust. I think so too because I don't think the bat – I mean, at this point, he's been in the – he's been there long enough for it's like – there's just no, there's no improvement, right? Man, unless you put him in AAA, um, and also if he has this issue going on with his arm, what if Austin Hedges needs something like drastic, like Tommy John, right? Yeah, that's unless true. say his arm is screwed, then his defensive value is gone. Was it him that they said they're going to give him a little bit more time, and then they're going to get some imaging on his yeah. elbow? Yeah, 
So, I mean, I would be more bummed about Margot because with Hedges from the minute they drafted him, I all, I mean, it was... We never expected him to No, hit. no. It was all said, like, he has power potential. And we see that, right? I mean, when he connects, he connects. You know, they, there's no cheap shots. He, he can hit the ball very far and very hard. Right. The problem is making contact. Um, so I think we always expected, like, you know... Maybe at best he's a perennial all-star because he could potentially be a league average hitter because he can hit for some power. So he doesn't have to do a whole lot to, to be a league average hitter. 250 average, 300 on base, and slug around, you know, I think he slugged almost 400 last year. If he does that, he's great. Yeah. And the defense obviously is, you know, stellar, absolutely great. But I think we always knew, like, there was a chance he could be a backup. There's a chance he, he wasn't going to be Brad Ausmus. He was going to be, you know, uh, Benji Molina, not Benji Molina. What's the other? Jose Molina? Right, which is what he is right now. Excellent defensive catcher. Might run into a home run every now and then, but otherwise is you know an out. Um, I'd be more bummed with Margot because I think Margot has more upside. He has more polish, um, and he had a really good showing. You know, for the most part last year, he's really solid showing. Well, Craig Meddy wants to know how long do you wait on Margot before sending him to AAA? So knowing Craig, kind of touched on that. I know. Many probably wants to send him down last week. Well, yeah, knowing how he is with kind of like the advanced metrics and everything, even though Babip isn't really an advanced metric. Really, none of the stuff uh, I went over is advanced metrics. They're just rates and outcomes. He's probably not going to be happy with it, but um, whatever. I mean, honestly, Margot going down AAA. Just giving you knowledge, Craig. The more you know. I don't think either one of us want to see Margot go down to AAA. I'd rather have it eventually play itself out up here. But if they send him down, they send him down. Whatever. I don't think it's such a bad thing if they do. Um, honestly, I give it to the end of the month to turn it around because I think things like this eventually will normalize, and they're not going to. Nor- I mean, maybe you send him down now, but to me, you know, maybe give him to the end of the month. He also hasn't been healthy, right? So you know, he got drilled, and he hasn't been playing a lot lately. I don't know what the story on that is, but if he's going to ride the pine, just send him down now, yeah, or run him out there every day. It's one or the other. He needs to play every day. Um, back to the, uh, would we be bummed out if Alston Allen, and who's raking, uh, and uh, Franchi Cordero ended up as the up the middle battery? No, because this is why you build through the draft and you know player acquisition, trading major league assets now for future assets later. Because if a prospect doesn't pan out and he busts, at least you have depth to make up for that and bring another guy up, right? Jock Peterson wasn't panning out for the Dodgers. Oh, hold on, we have uh, J.R. Tolles. We'll just plug him out there to play above average outfield. Right. Right. Oh God, Peterson didn't work out again in center. Tolles went down. Shit. Well, we got this guy, Chris Taylor, from the Mariners. We'll just run him out in center. Seager got hurt. Oh, we'll just take that Taylor guy and put him in center. And we'll put Verdugo, or it's short, and we'll put Verdugo out there. Yeah. You know, that's that's the whole point, right? Is that you build up enough of a pipeline of talent where you can, A, use that as prospect capital to acquire talent like the Astros have done. And B, in case some guys don't pan out, you know, Colin Moran for the Astros. He's their third baseman of the future. They got Carlos Correa, shortstop of the future. They got Bregman, who's the shortstop. Hey, Moran didn't work out. Well, we got this Bregman kid. We'll just toss his ass over at third and, you know, have at it, pal. Yeah. You know, um, Jake Marisnik from the Astros didn't work out. That's okay. We have George Springer. We'll throw his ass out in center field. Well, to um, to his credit also, I, I don't know if he wants to say it or not, but uh, Kevin in our group, our group thread, uh, Kevin Charity, he said, what, a month or two ago? And we kind of laughed at him for it. And he's like, hot take. Austin Allen's going to take over in the next year or two. Yeah, and we also play. laughed that uh, David J was going to fall over himself <laughs> in, in, a, in a heap of rage. Yeah, and we laughed at him. And then you look <coughs> at Austin Allen this year, and we'll have Marcus Pond on a little bit. He talked with Austin Allen uh, recently, so um, we'll, we'll kind of talk to him about that. But you see Austin Allen, the numbers he's putting up. It's like, man, if he can improve himself just a little bit defensively, I'm, I'm 
fully willing to go that route. Honestly, I'm, I'm like, for it. I feel like like base runners, like, yeah, Hedges is, a, I mean, just excellent, especially when you watch A.J. Ellis's sorry ass back there. Right. But mostly stolen bases are off the pitcher, right? Like, Tyson, Derek Norris wasn't that bad at throwing guys out. Tyson Ross was just awful at holding runners. Right. I mean, awful. You know, so, and, and remember that game where, uh, in the playoffs where Norris is starting catcher against the Royals, and they were just running all over him? Lester was pitching that game. Yeah, <laughs> he can't throw Lester's the first. Lester's like historically bad. He has the yips. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a, I've never seen forty thousand people cheer a pickoff <laughs> <laughs> the way they did when he picked uh, somebody off from the Cardinals when he's on the Cubs. It was amazing. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, a, it's mostly the base runs on the catcher or as on the pitcher. For me, it's important to a point. But I subscribe to Greg Maddox. Just worry about the batter. Get the batter out. The guy wants to take second. That's fine. I'm just going to get this guy out. And I don't. If you get the batter out, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um. So as long as Austin Allen, like from a framing receiving standpoint, as long as he's solid there, if he can provide an above average bat, so be it. Grandal's not the greatest defensive catcher, but uh, if we're being honest here, I'd probably rather have him than uh, Hedges right now. Yeah, I would too. If 100%. we're being honest, I hated. The, I mean, I. I we laughed at it when he said it. Yeah, I know. Which is funny. But at the time, yeah. you know, when they gave up Grandal for Kemp, like, oh, great, you know, we're getting Kemp, but, ooh, oh, we gave up Grandal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't I, feel that way if we got rid of Hedges. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. Feel, I don't think they're going to. I think Hedges' value is a backup. But, yeah. you know, back to the question at hand, I wouldn't be bummed if Hedges didn't pan out. I would be bummed if Margot didn't. But I'd also be very happy that they have Cordero and Allen if they happen to step up and take the winning jobs. Lots of bus talk. Uh, Jeff Jeff Thompson <laughs> at Pod Jays. Let's say the rebuild fails altogether. Oh, Everybody God. bus. No playoffs, etc. Would you stop being Padres fans? First I can't. Time, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. But I would probably. I mentioned this last week about taking the competitiveness out. I would probably just go full time analyst. <laughs> <laughs> Full-time analyst. Full-time objective analyst. Yeah. Objective analysis. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've. I think we've been through enough to it, say that it, it would take a lot for us not to be fans anymore. If it does happen, I think... And I, I can't blame ownership because all they can do is write the checks, right? And they've been writing checks. They, they signed Hosmer, and I went on this rant before. Go listen to our Hosmer episode if you want to hear me rant yeah. about people shitting on ownership. They signed Hosmer. They spent $22 million on Morahone by himself. That doesn't include all the other bonus money they had to eat. Um, or uh, penalty money for all the bonus money they gave out. They're eating Shields' contract. They ate Matt Kemp's contract. They ate the Oliveira's contract to get rid of Matt Kemp. You know, they have spent a lot of money um, in investing in these guys. They revamped the entire scouting department. So they're spending a lot of money on personnel to try to develop these guys, which seems to be working. So I couldn't blame ownership. If it does fail, you got to fire Preller and you got to get rid of Andy Green and the rest of the staff that those two put together. Because they're a team, right? Preller's the... You know, Preller's the main guy, and Andy Green is. How would you the define fail, though? And what time frame would you put on failing? I can't. I know people want to say if they don't start competing by 2020. Yeah, I, I would say you have to let Preller's you know first wave of prospects run through and see where you're at. I, I think you have. To, I don't think the window is now. I think the window starts in 2020, really, because right. the reality I would is. Agree with that. Yeah, the reality is we already got the two guys we thought were going to break camp anyways. I will say I chose Lucchese to be the breakout guy to break camp as a starter. And I think we both, and even Charity, when he was on, when we did his top uh, 30s uh, prospect, had said, um, you know, Lauer is probably going to break camp this year. Uh, well, not break camp, but at least crack the roster. I think we all were agreeing he'll probably make it. Quantrill might be up maybe in September if they don't shut him down. Next year, more than likely at some point. Urias will probably be up this year at some point. Next year, Tatiste might be up at some point. And then you'll start getting the Logan Allens and, you know, um, 
who else they got down there? They have so much damn pitching. Yeah. Um, Jacob Nix, if he's healthy. You know, next year is really when the prospects are going to start to come up to where, to me, 2020, if you're not on paper, you know, and I know, you know, take out the calculators again, run it through the old simulator. If you're not on the paper. The shredder. The shredder. <laughs> if you're not on paper, just talent-wise, right? Just talent-wise. If you're not on paper, an 80-win team by 2020, 2021, 80-85-win to team, at that point, I think you have to start closing that window of opportunity for Preller. I think you give him to 2022. It gives you three full seasons of all his first wave of prospects that he went bonkers on in 2016, 2017. And it gives you that that window of, okay, you've had, you got these guys in 2016. You've developed them from 2017. It's 2022. There's no results here. It's time to turn it around. It's, it's time to go a different direction. So we can talk about um, making the window open faster and making the window open larger mm -hmm. and that's by what we were talking about before we started recording is bringing in a guy like harper or machado i know yeah. everyone talks about hey um that's not realistic that's not realistic no they're it's not, not gonna unrealistic come either here. yeah they're not gonna want to come here but guess what you'll the mariners know, signed robinson cano you'll never know if whether or not they want to come here if you don't offer them market value and we're looking at the numbers beforehand and uh, i was looking off a site called like Spotrack or something like yeah. that um, where it's showing that the Padres committed payroll next year, including dead money, is around $55 million, right? Mm -hmm. They have the financial flexibility. I did not know this. I will openly say I was unaware. I was naive to the fact until I listened to uh, the Quintelligence pod from down in Monterey, um, where H.J. Preller said that the league average payroll is about $140 million. And I guessed 100 I figured it was around $100 million too. Because I thought, hey, we're around 96 to $100 million. We're right around the middle of the pack. Well, no. No, we'd be at the bottom third. At this point, this season, even with the dead money, we're still about $40 million off of being league average. So once those guys get off, if these numbers are accurate, and, and to the point, I mean, we didn't we didn't put a lot of research in, so I'm sorry. But, I'm going to look stuff up right now just to figure out like some dead money coming off. But... If you're at that 50, we'll, we'll call it 60. Hell, we can call it 70 million, okay? Aren't they uh, at 80 right now? They're at uh, 96, okay. including dead money. If you're at that point, they have the money to toss. You're going to have to overpay for a player like that because to what you were saying before, we're not the Yankees. We're not the Red Sox. We're not perennial contenders. You're going to have to overpay. You figure a guy like that, easily Harper Machado, I think they're going to easily get 30 million each. Oh, yeah, by easy peasy. The Harper, they might get $400 million total. If the Padres want to say, we're all in, we're committing to we're committed to winning, you have to pursue those guys. Absolutely. You have to offer them at least 30 to $35 million. They can do it. And if you can't spend to the league average payroll, sell the team. Sell the team. If you can't, if you can't maintain a league average payroll, you have no business being an owner. Absolutely, because... The reality is, like, you don't have to sign the guys, right? Because it's it's a it's a it. it takes I mean, you two... do have to sign them. You need those guys. Well, you you have to pursue them because but I mean, you need to sign them, them or at least acquire some talent, right? Yes. But you can't control that part, right? Like, it's it takes two to tango. You know, Hosmer came. The reality is, he'll never admit it. They can do the hot talent lava BS all they want. It's a great hashtag and T-shirt. The reality is, Hosmer had two choices. He can go to the Royals, who are awful, and they have to start the rebuild this year. Or you can go to the Padres, who have already started the rebuild. We're seeing fruits of that. Cordero, Laura Lucchese. We've already got three guys up right now who are part of the future, presumably, who are already producing. So Hosmer had two choices. He chose the lesser of two evils, right? So it was a little bit different for him because the Padres knew, like, we have leverage in this deal. Harper Machado, you don't have any leverage. You're going to have – Washington is not going to go let Harper walk away without fighting. They are not. They are super aggressive with free agents. We've seen that. We've seen that with Scherzer. 
We saw that with uh, Strasburg. Like, He's not getting a free agency. We're locking him up now. We want him now. He's, we're locking him up. Um, they were aggressive with Jason Worth, even though it was a bad contract. So they're not going to go out of that fight. The Dodgers aren't going to sit there and let much, and they're not going to. They've been staying under the pay. They've been staying under luxury tax for a reason, right. and it ain't to go into next year. You know, to ho hum it. I mean, they have that front office has been really, really passive about acquiring long term contracts, right? Like they didn't want to take on Stanton if the money wasn't right. They are planning on signing one of those motherfuckers. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably going to be Harper that they're going to pursue hard. But that's who they're going to run after, and they're doing that for a reason. Yeah, you have 100%. to at least be in the bidding. No, you can't force them to sign here because the leverage isn't the same as it was with Hosmer, but you at least have to put the contract out there. And a prime example, I just mentioned it. The Yankees were outbid by the Mariners for Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano was told, you can be Jeter's replacement. You can be the face of the franchise, the next captain, the next great. You're going to take over because Which is what Hosmer was told in KC. Yeah, you're the you, next George Brett, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're going to be the next guy because... He's leaving. His time is done. Like it's it's there's a there's an expire date on him, and you're going to be the guy that's going to be the face going forward. And the Mariners said, "Well, you can do that, or you know, we can back up this Mac, extra Mac truck. The Yankees are giving you one Mac truck. We'll give you two. Right. And he said, "Peace out. Yep. Buy a Condios, New York. I'm going to Seattle. Right. And if the Padres, which was crazy at the time, it was amazing. It was amazing because it's like, oh, what a bad deal. But he's yeah. been incredibly great because he's a Hall of Famer. But if the Padres are serious about competing, they have to at least try. I don't. I, I will not be upset if they go in all in the way that they're all in for Hosmer and negotiated down to the wire and said, these are our terms, this is what we want, we're going to pay you more, here's the opportunity. If they go down and they're aggressive with it and continue to pursue, if they don't come out on top and the guy signs elsewhere, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't force them to sign here. But they should at least put in the effort to try to get one of those two guys. If I had to, long term in terms of like the guy that I want, it would be Harper. But in terms of the actual fit, Machado is the fit. Oh, yeah. 100%. You could put him at short or you could put him at third. Either one, you're going to have him and Tatis ideally on the left side, Urias on the right side, Hosmer at first as well. Machado, to me, from a where you plug him in, right, is the better fit. It's not like you have to move somebody off a position like you had to move Myers. Like, oh, whoop de doo you know. Tatis goes to third. Great. Now we have two shortstops on the left side of the infield. Well, yeah, and, and people are saying, like, oh, well, Machado wants to play short. You guys have Tatis at short. Bye, hey, Tatis. Yeah, you're going to third, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> hey, guess what? If we bring in Machado, Tatis, you're going over to third. You think Tatis is going to sit there and complain no, that Manny Machado not. is going to be playing to his left? Absolutely no. not. Yeah. Absolutely. Put, put them not. on the left side and watch nothing. And worst ever case get scenario, you tell you tell Machado, he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm getting 30 million from the Yankees. Okay, we'll give you 32. Well, they're going to let me play short. Well, we want you to play third. Okay, well, they're giving me 30. and Okay, well, go to third and we'll move you to 35. Yeah. Yeah, you don't think he's going to take that? Oh, yeah. Money talks, bullshit walks. Yeah, you, if you, You're going to have to overpay him, but if it's going to take 10 years, 350 to get that kind of player, they have the money to do it. They should at least put well, their name in the hat. There's also going to be the side of those guys where they are going to want to win. So you're going to have to sell that hot talent BS that they sold to Hosmer, quote yeah. unquote, sold to Hosmer. I just feel like, and at the end of the day, I, I do, I realize. It's not the most groundbreaking thing to say, hey, we should sign the two best free agents in years in the last probably decade or so. It's not really going out on a limb there. But the point is, is that they could do it. They, they have could. the flexibility to do it. Absolutely. And Even if, if you gave them 35, what is, what's their projected payroll next year? I think you looked it up. Isn't it like 60 or 70? It's like 55. Yeah. We'll, it's, we'll say it's 70 max. Shields does have an option. This is his fourth season. Thank God. But he has an option here for next year. He's right. going to catch the option. Well, yeah. So we'll say 16 on top of that. 70. We'll say 75 we'll say is 70. what they have. You give Machado 35, you're only at 110 million. You're exactly. still below average. You're still with, below average. Who's arbitration eligible on this team? Nobody. 
no one worth the shit. No, nobody you can't get rid of. No, no future piece. So I feel like you can't sit there and sell to the fan base that it's hey, it's gonna happen. It's coming. It's it's there. And then go out and say, hey, we brought in Hosmer because he's young enough and he's a free agent to where he's gonna be here when these guys are in. Because guess what? Harper fits that. Machado fits that. Both yeah. of them. And both of them, by the way, are much better players than Hosmer and are going to produce much more than Hosmer. So it would be disingenuous to the fan base to say, hey, we're going all in and not make an attempt to sign those guys. This is the way I look at it, and I've said this a couple times. I've said this to you multiple times. My five tiers of player ratings, right? you got elite, all-star, above average, average, and basically fringe. To me, Hosmer is above average border and could be an all-star. Harper's all-star with elite potential and you know MVP potential, as is Machado. Those guys' floors right now at 26 years old, I didn't realize like how young Machado is. I feel like he's been... We know Harper's really young, right? Right. But Machado kind of snuck in because he's not quite as good as Harper. I think Harper is a better player. But Machado is young too. He plays a great... He plays a key position. And even if he can't, you just move him to third and then he's Adrian Beltre for 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe better. And again, I only use war when it benefits my argument. But you bring in either one of those guys, you are bringing in a guaranteed five wins a season. Yeah, assuming assuming uh, even Machado last year where he wasn't, you know, he had a really, really rough first half. I wish my phone would work. There it goes so I can pull it. Either one of those guys accelerates the window. It opens it up wider and it gives you more leniency for other guys to quote unquote fail. Yeah. Right. So like, exactly. hey, if uh, Margot isn't that, isn't that amazing. If Tatis isn't a superstar like we hope he is. It doesn't suck so bad because guess what? We have Machado. Guess what? We have Harper. They have the flexibility. So if going into next season, even if they bring in a guy like Donaldson, which I'd be stoked. Don't get me wrong. I'd be stoked if they bring in Donaldson on the right deal. But if it's like, hey, we brought in Donaldson, but we didn't even attempt to get either one of these guys, I'm pissed. Donaldson. I'm pissed because don't tell me you're trying to be, you're trying to put the best team on the field and not make an attempt for the best players. Machado's already been worth two war. He'd be the most valuable player on the Padres. He's got a 430 on base. Which, if Machado finished the year right now, he'd be 88% above league average offensively per baseball reference. And he would finish with far and away his best rate stats ever. Yeah. And I mean ever. And now you talk about moving him back to shortstop. He hasn't been that great in a small sample size. Who cares? But even if you happen to move him to third. If you got to pay this guy and say, hey, look, you know, we think you're a third baseman. We think it's better for your health. He has had some knee issues, you know, for, for a young guy. Right. If you got to pay him $35 million to move to third, just pack the truck up. I would I'll give drive either it. one of them. I give either one of them thirty-five million a year, Absolutely. without even blinking, without hesitating, without blinking. Absolutely. Yep. And they have to at least try. If they try and they say, you know what, we didn't work out, but we gave Donaldson four years, one something. Yeah. You know, okay, I could take that as a consolation prize. If they can't even get that, make a trade. Do something. You have the prospect capital now, in the guys in the you know the Justin Lopez's, the Gabriel Arias's of the world. You have the prospect capital to move guys to obtain. You know, a, a bigger contract, a star level player, a, an all star to MVP caliber player, a Verlander, a Cole. You have the prospect capital to do that. So I, I honestly think they need to at least dive in head first in the market next year. I know, you know, the idea of Hosmer was, you know, we can get this guy now because we're probably not going to get one next year. That's horseshit. You should at least try. Maybe you don't get him. You probably don't. It doesn't mean you can't offer to write the check. Yeah, you have the flexibility. And, and again, if you don't try, then don't tell me you're trying to win, okay? That's that's my whole thing with the Padres. So prospect capital. We'll bring our pal Marcus Pond in, uh, uh, the newest member of Mad Friars, him and uh, Travis Our Barnett. Texas correspondent. Yeah, our Texas correspondent. So we, we have been thrilled once again that we're able to bump Kevin Charity 
uh, from our program. We should just get it going. Hashtag bump charity. Yeah, hashtag bump charity. So we'll have him back next week. I know that uh, millions and, mil- and millions, four people, were asking about Kevin and when he's coming on next. So uh, we'll, we'll bring him in next week. But for now, let's go ahead and bring in Marcus Pond. So we have one of the newest additions to Mad Friars, uh, Marcus Pond, formerly of uh, Padres Perspectives. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Marcus. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, kind of what I what I want to go over first is how how did it come about? Like you joining the Mad Friars clan because a lot of us really like what you guys were doing at Padres Perspectives, and it's a huge pickup for Mad Friars. But tell us a little bit about how that all came about. Um, well, um, I actually started writing a couple years ago um, with a uh, fellow Padre Twitter member um, Patrick Brewer. We were at the same website called RO Baseball. Um, it's now defunct. But writing uh, and uh, while I was doing that, I was like, well, it was like a like a major league. It wasn't a Padres related, but I was like, hey, uh, so this is like a real website. Can I like go interview people? So I, I live in San. I live uh, about three hours from San Antonio. So I called up the the missions guy and I was like, hey, I have a website that launched uh, this month. I want to come talk to players. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, so that was kind of what got me into like the the prospect side of things, and then from there I wrote for Padres Public for a little bit, and then uh, uh, Travis Barnett, who's also with Mad Friars, now contacted me to start Padres Pub uh, Padres Prospectus, and that went pretty well for a while. But it was uh, it's kind of hard to keep a team of writers together and and publishing content for free. Who um, it's hard for me. <laughs> Who needs money? Nobody needs yeah. money. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Gotta do it for the love of the of the game, right? Yeah, and the office <laughs> but, uh, views. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh so yeah, we did that for like a for basically like a summer and then uh and as things were kind of fading, I I I I'm a teacher and so during the school year it's kind of hard for me to do, but over the summer I got lots of time uh you know to to kill and so I, I did a lot over the summer then as school kind of started uh to kick back up again, uh I guess uh Travis started talking to the overlord, John Conniff, and uh, set some things over for a uh, uh, hostile takeover, I guess. Uh, not <laughs> yeah. hostile. It, it was fine. but uh, I figured he just backed up a Mack but, uh, truck yeah, to so we ended up uh, front lawn there and just paid you a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. No, yeah, I was actually – I was selling you off air, but uh, – I got a I got a DM from Char- from Kevin Charity being like, "Hey man, welcome to the team." And I was like, uh, "I have not talked to anybody about that." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, oh, never mind then." But uh, I think we're talking about it. <laughs> so, a couple of days later, then I got a call uh, from from John. I, I talked to him before about you know just uh, just how to interview him because I knew Matt Friars is like the you know the site to go to for interviews. And so the first time that I went down there for. The other website that I that I was uh, interviewing for, I was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna talk to Franchi Cordero, this prospect that finally started doing something good. What should I, you know, how should I approach that? What should I do?" And so he he gave me some good tips. So I already knew him. I already knew he was a good guy, and uh, kind of just went from there. So now, now instead of having Charity as a little man on the totem pole, it's uh, I'd say it's Travis because he's not actually like a Pottery fan. He just happens to live in Fort Wayne, but he's pretty much done all the stuff for the for the website. So I'm pretty much like the lowest guy there. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. So basically, in terms that um, you know, most people will understand, Padres Prospectus. If we're looking at the uh, Dunder Mifflin of Padres prospects, <laughs> you guys were the Stanford branch, and Madfires was Scranton. Is that what we're? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That yeah. So unfortunately, they didn't all make it over with us. But uh, I, I think that makes me. Um, what was? You're that, the Andy that makes, Bernard. That, I was gonna say Karen because I'm more attractive <laughs> than. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, I don't get good. any of these references. Let's move on. That is great. So yeah, we have Marcus here. Uh, he's on Twitter at Marcus S D T X for San Diego, Texas. Um, lowest man on totem pole, as he said for Mad Friars. Check him out, madfriars.com. Make sure you guys subscribe. Uh, the reason why I think Mad Friars is the best, um, you guys provide a lot of on-site coverage. So you yourself, uh, you were out there for opening weekend in San Antonio. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I'm trying to think. I, I was there. I was hoping to see. Um, you know, it was really great last year at the end of the year. Um, I, I happened to go down right when they call up, like, Quantrill and Lucchese. I had a chance to interview both of those guys. Um, they also had, like, Lauer was up there. Nix was thrown for a little bit. Um, so that was great. Uh, none of those guys are there anymore. Uh, that's kind of the life of minor league baseball. Um, so right now, their they're pitching staff, uh, I was hoping to, you know, maybe see Quantrill again. I'm hoping to see Logan Allen. Um, I ended up seeing... Uh, Jesse Schultens and Jerry Keel, who are having pretty solid seasons. Uh, Schultens was a guy that uh, that he did uh, he did pretty well in the start, the start that I saw. Uh, I talked to um, probably one thing that I learned about uh, interviewing players is you know they're kind of geared to say a lot of cliche type things, so you got to ask some pretty good questions. Um, and sometimes I show up not really knowing who I'm going to talk to. I, I have like a list of who I want to see. And then depending on who's starting that day or who's doing other interviews or something, um, they kind of give me who they got. Um, but uh, talking talking with with the manager kind of gave me a lot of insight. So Philip Wellman said that, uh, and, and I think this showed up in uh, one of the game recaps I wrote for a bit. Jesse Schultons was a guy who said that could hit an ant on the butt with a fastball. <laughs> uh, so he he had some he had some, uh, he's had some pretty good control. Uh, doesn't walk a lot of guys. Kind of reminds me a little bit of. Uh, uh, Brett Kennedy, who's right now in El Paso, who's probably, um, you know, him and Walker Lockett are probably the, the next two to get called up um, to the Padres. So there's some names to be looking out for. But um, probably the big takeaway from the weekend was uh, just actually getting to watch Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, which a lot of uh, Storm fans are probably unhappy that he just skipped right over from yeah, four wins. Yeah, these two hosts included. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I'm not. I'm not on the side that's panicking because he did get off to a slow start. Uh, what we kind of saw, um, and also talking with like the you know the guys that watch him every day, the broadcasters and uh, you know the PR guys that are there, uh, you know chasing a lot of high fastballs. And, and actually, uh, uh, Wellman, the manager, was like, "Yeah, what he's doing is he's used to just crushing those high fastballs that he could you know in four away and he could just get around on them and just shoot them a long ways and it's a little bit harder to catch up when they're throwing a little faster or they're throwing a little bit different locations so he was having a hard time catching with those that kind of is still happening a little bit although um if you've been watching lately he hit a couple dingers uh last couple weeks so he's kind of breaking out of that slump still a lot of swing and miss in his game but i think that's going to happen when you're you know like a lot of padre prospects really young for the for the level so um he was uh, he was a fun guy to watch and and uh, he's he's got a really nice swing. I, I could really just well, I want to make a gift of that just to watch it because it's it's pretty. I am uh, I am drooling at the dream of watching Tatis gifs all day. <laughs> um, obviously, everybody's really excited. You know, I don't think anybody was uh, overly panicked. Ninety nine percent of Padres Twitter wasn't overly panicked about Tatis's start. Um, the real interesting and, and this is the other reason I like Mad Friars because like Eric said, you guys have like on site coverage, right? You mentioned Travis is out in. Uh, Indy, who gets to watch Fort Wayne, even though he's not a Padres fan per se, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, but you guys have that, so it's a little bit different perspective because you can get to San Antonio and El Paso seemingly, you know, in a decent amount of time. So you get to be up. Well, close I, to, to be honest, actually, Texas is giant. Like Texas. Well, I know it's giant, but I mean, 
you know, you're well, still out there, I, right? <laughs> I, I I drive through. I, I go to San Diego every winter, or sorry, every summer, and I, so I drive through El Paso. I've never actually stopped there. Oh. Um, if you if you are in El Paso, you are actually closer to San Diego than the other side of Texas. Oh wow, that's that's how big Texas is. Good grief. <laughs> so, well, nonetheless, you're still out there. You still have a, yeah. an up-close view. Um, you had mentioned uh, Sultans, right? A guy that maybe we don't know. I always ask this of, you know, whether it's Kevin, David, uh, the Overlord. You know, we, we know all the big-name prospects, the Tatis, Urias. You know, we know these guys. Uh, out there, when you're watching these guys, you mentioned that picture already, but is there any player that's, like, under the radar you think that might crack um, maybe the Padres top 30 in the next year after after this season that maybe we're not talking enough about or we're, they're not getting their name out there enough, not enough pub? Um, well, I'm trying to think. With, with, with San Antonio, which is who I, which is who I watch the most because it's, it's hard to stay up late for those. Like it, I'm, I'm in Central Texas, so Padre games usually, usually start about 9 o'clock my time. Um, <laughs> so they usually end around midnight, and I guess I'm, I'm a school teacher, so I uh, – I do not stay up that late on a on a school night. I'm still a. You're not still, missing I, much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I advise going to sleep. Education is far more important than rotting your brain with Padre baseball. True. Uh, yeah. Uh, as far as uh, cracking the top thirty, I think pr- there's really just so much depth at the at the bottom of the levels that that's probably where you're going to find a lot of it. Um, I was I even just just checking Twitter today. Uh, there's guys that I kind of had on like the fringe of my top 30 that are still like they're still in extended spring print train. So, like Luis uh, Luis Patino, um, he's a little Colombian guy and uh, he's thrown like 93, 96. Uh, I think uh, I think the guy that was watching today saw said he had like a lot of swagger, which is which is always fun to hear. Um, but like he's he wasn't in my top 30, but he was right on the edge, and he's not even he's not even playing affiliated ball yet. So I kind of think there's a lot of young talent. That's still like a teenager that's going to be coming up. Um, as far as uh, you know, kind of like an overlooked, uh, overlooked group. Uh, I would say Austin Allen at the beginning of the year, and I think I think David J talked about this last time. Uh, Austin, he was fighting to keep Austin Allen out of the out of our top twenty list for Mad Friars. <laughs> yeah, how's that working out for him? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm not I'm not going to say that Austin Allen is going to you know uh, come up and take uh, Austin Hedges' job. Uh, as starting catcher anytime super soon, but uh, dude has been raking in uh, in San Antonio. He's cooled off a little bit, uh, mostly because he was like leading the league in OPS for a while, uh, hitting a bunch of dingers. A lot of I, I think he's already got like like twelve doubles or something in like you know twenty five games. Uh, so uh, so Austin Allen is probably the, uh, one that I would pay a lot of attention to that maybe not everyone knows about. Um, I think probably the biggest knock on on him is his catching. Uh, he has played a little bit of first base. Um, he's kind of taller for the position, and so he's got to work a little bit, a little bit more on the footwork, um, a little bit more on the receiving. But he's got a pretty good arm. He's, he, uh, I think last year he was last in the Cal League in caught stealing, uh, which is not always about the catcher. It's also about you know how fast the pitcher's getting that out, and you know how big, how how well they're keeping the runners on. But uh, he's off to a pretty hot start with that. Um, I think he's I think he's among the Texas League leaders in, in caught stealing. So uh, Austin Allen's probably the one that I would keep a keep a big eye on uh, as far as uh, under the radar ish uh, type guys. He's he's there's so many young Padres uh, that as like a 24 year old he seems like really old, <laughs> but that's that's not like super uncommon for prospects in the Texas League. That's like an appropriate age for them. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, a guy that is on the radar and that started off the season blowing up the scene is Josh Naylor. I mean, he's coming in. He's hitting with a bunch of power, albeit I think he had one of those home runs was inside the park, so I don't know how that Very happened. Very impressive. Um, but he's coming <laughs> on the scene. He's having a great start to the year. I mean, is is there anything that's different with him? Is it a change in approach? Um, is is he changing his mechanics and his swing? Like, what's, what's leading up to this hot start from Naylor that you know of? Uh, well, yeah, that, that was the knock on him was that, uh, you know, his BP power was uh, was huge. Before the game, he would just knock him out. But in the, in, when the game started, he wasn't able to tap into that. And uh, I, I think David J kind of, kind of stole my thunder a little bit because uh, what I saw last year uh, was that he was kind of just taking what the pitcher would give him. He was uh, – he, he has – I think he, uh, his power is, is a pretty high tool, but also his hit tool is up there too. Um, he's able to, you know, to take a hit the other way. I kind of reach out and 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 smack it to the opposite field. So he's he's really good at getting the bat on the ball, but it's hard to it's hard to really get into one when you're reaching out or when you're taking what the pitcher gives you when you're hitting the, the best pitcher's pitch. And he just seems uh, overall a lot more patient, um, a lot more willing to to wait for his pitch, and uh, that's definitely helped out for him because not only is he uh, is he slugging a bunch, but he's also getting on base a ton. He's already got um, I, I, the thing that I love about Luis Urias is that. Generally speaking, unless Connor's watching him, he's going to have more uh, walks than strikeouts. Hashtag wet blanket. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but right now, Josh Naylor, he has, I'm looking at a stature, he's got 18 walks and 15 strikeouts. Wow. Uh, and anytime that you have more walks and strikeouts, you're doing something right. So I, I think as far as, you know, um, and, and, and when I was watching, it was, it, it was, it's like fun to watch those batters who just know the strike zone is. And so you're like, oh, that looked close, but he just looks at shake, kind of shakes his head. He's like, nope, that was a ball, and the umpire calls it a ball. And, and he he has that he has that kind of eye from you know from the two games that I watched. Uh, I was impressed by by how well he could lay off those pitches that were around the border. Yeah. Now let's let's talk defense with him because that's that's kind of the sticking point. Once the Padres got Hosmer, I think everyone knew, hey, there's not really a future in the big league organization for Josh Naylor. So they've kind of moved him to left field. Now you don't obviously no one has a crystal ball here, and hindsight will be 2020 when we listen to this in three years, which of course everyone knows we will. Um, <laughs> but down the road, like one two part question: one, how's his defense looking out there in left? And then two, what do you see the organization doing with him going forward? Um, I think uh, I think first of all, uh, defense and left. It's going to take a while to let him get used to that. Um, talking about you know like switching positions, uh, you know the Potters they seem pretty willing to do this, uh, almost like at a pretty late stage. Like I, you know, uh, Jed Jerka was a third baseman for a long time, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what, we got Chase Headley here. Let's go ahead and try to move you to second base. Uh, and I was like, well, he's already kind of ready for, you know, for where he's at. Like, I don't know why we're deciding to do that. Or, um, so the, the Potters are, are are kind of unpredictable in, in in that terms, and it does take a while for them to get used to. Josh Nader is uh, like he's a first baseman, um, and he's looked okay. I think um, probably better, uh, definitely better than I would look out there. Um, but it's gonna it's gonna take him some time to get used to that. As far as uh, getting the reads off the ball. Uh, knowing where it's going to go when it when it you know when it lands how it's slicing, um, I think his arm is okay um, and he he moves pretty well, uh, be, definitely better than you think. Um, but I think just kind of just getting used to the reads is going to be what's you know whether is going to be what dictates if he can stick out there as an outfielder. Do you think he has the athleticism to stick? Because I mean we've seen this before with like a, a, a heavier set 
uh, first baseman. And when Yonder Alonso came up, right, with the Reds, you know, they had Joey Vado obviously um, entrenched at first. So the idea was let's try Alonso and left and see how it goes and maybe we can keep him or we'll just have to deal him. Um, didn't work out. I mean, does, does Naylor have just the natural athleticism to be able to play even a below average, you know, left field where the bat will still be good enough? Or, like, I mean, is it realistic that he could even possibly be adequate enough out there? I I mean, I, I would say that, that, that there's a chance. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I would say that the bat's going to definitely be the thing that carries him if he's doing that. And uh, pr- probably a little bit too soon to say if he's going to be able to do that because – uh, you, you know, it, it it takes so it takes a while, I think, to to kind of get used to to those reads, especially when he's been at first base. I think he does have the athleticism. I think he's got um, I think he's got some some good footwork. It's just kind of getting him getting him used to 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 really just doing it every day. And and I don't know how they're going to do that because they they do seem kind of committed to giving Austin Allen some first some job some time at first base too. Um, I mean, there there there's kind of a big rotation right now among among first catcher and and left field. So. Uh, if they if they can give him a long time, then you know maybe they got a chance. But um, I I, I guess I, I probably I, I'm I'm probably not not giving you the hot take that you want. But I, I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, we'll happen. take any insight. I mean, if, if yeah. you, you've seen him, so you know we haven't well, seen him out there. I mean, we Eric thinks he's terrible because he dropped a pop up at a prospect game. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's pretty good insight. Now Quantrill is in San Antonio, correct? He's still in Double A. Yeah, yeah, he's still there. How has he? I mean, have you seen him? And in just in terms of if you've spoken with him recently or whatnot, what What's your take on Quantrill at this point? I think people are a little bit low on him. You know, people have been getting higher and higher on Lucchese. Quantrill seems to be getting disregarded um, as the favored prospect um, in terms of their close college pitching arms. Um, at this point, what's your take on Quantrill right now as a prospect? Your ETA on him? What, what's your feeling on Cal to this to this point in his career? Um, well, I, I interviewed him last year um, in, I think, in August. And I, I, the, the thing that surprised me was, in my head, I'm like, hey, man, you had Tommy John surgery a while ago. Like, you should be good to go now. I didn't say that to him, but, I mean, that was kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> I was and then just a lot of his answers, like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm still trying to get this. Like, I'm still trying to work on this. Um, and so it was kind of it's kind of hard to, like, scout the stat line because, for one, he's not 100%, and, two, there's things that he's working on uh, the, on improving instead of just he, – he's not, he's not just – He's not like Andy Green. Andy Green is trying to squeeze juice out of a rock by putting, you know, Jose Perella in in left field every night. He's trying to, he's trying to win games. Uh, whereas, like, you know, at the minors, they're not trying to they're not trying to win every night. They're trying to improve, and so, um, so that was interesting to kind of, to kind of get his perspective on that. As far as his results this year, I think they've. Uh, I don't think. You know, I think I'll probably agree with most of the Padres fans. Not quite where we want him to be. Um, and, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how far along he is in his in his recovery, because like I said, even to talk to him, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it sounds like you're still working on it. But I would think that by now, he's probably you know closer back to where he needs to be, and that might not be the case. So, uh, I think ETA on him, I would be surprised if he was more than like a September call up, because um, like I said, he's still in you know he's still in Double A. September um, as in this year. I mean, I, it would surprise me if he was at, with the Padres by September of this year. Um, I would say probably a more, you know, a more solid bet would be, you know, starting the season next year or, you know, somewhere in the middle of the year next year, call it. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I don't have any insight uh, as far as uh, as far as Quantrill's ETA. 
Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, again, guys, um, this is why we like having guys like Marcus on, anyone from Madfires, because they're actually there on the grounds watching the game. So follow him on Twitter, at MarcusSDTX. Again, follow at Madfires, uh, madfires.com. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, Marcus, we appreciate your time today. One question before we let you go here. Um, a current former Padre hits a walk-off homer against San Diego. Who would you most want it to be and who would you least want it to be? We saved your own question for you from the Padre Twitter segment. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you can tell my answer yet, did you? Nope. Nope. Nope, nope. We saved okay. it just for, just for you. What, what was your answer? Well, we're saving or it for now. We want you, I asked you first. <laughs> okay, all right. This is our show, uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say Solarte, for, I mean, I, I kind of forgot about Solarte because uh, he's, we don't, cause he's like in the AL East. Um, so, but I would say him for sure. Uh, but like, you know, like Nick Hundley doesn't really bother me. I'm not like, oh, oh. geez, Nick Hundley. Uh, you know, like there's there's far worse than those, but I think uh, I saw someone on Twitter said James Shields, which I mean, <laughs> as far as like, like that's that perfect. Would, that would be pretty bad because you'd be like a starting pitcher hitting a walk off. I mean, I don't even know how that would happen. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'd say probably probably Kemp or Grandall, just because they are like they're not only were they, you know, I mean, I guess different reasons because Kemp was miserable for us, uh, and then he hated San Diego, and then. He's a Dodger again, so that would be worse. Uh, Grandal, I just think it's like you know, it's it's like uh, the potential. He could have been so good with us, and he just he just was kind of not. It's all about um, or at least not the way that we want. <laughs> I blame Bud yeah, Black. pretty much. But, but, but like, I, I'm so petty that even like Trey Turner, I'm still just like, <laughs> oh, come on, man, can you just like, can you just stop? Yeah. I just I don't even want to play because all I do is because like because actually if you go into the. Uh, if you go to San Antonio and you go into like the elevator to the press box, they have like a full screen, like it's like the full width of the back wall is a picture of Trey Turner oh, in a gosh. missions unit. Oh my gosh. And so like every time I get on there, I'm like, oh geez. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awful. That's, that's pouring awful. salt in the wound right there. Can you sure. imagine? This would be so this would be hashtag so padres if Joe Ross threw a no hitter in Washington in the bottom of the night. Trey Turner walks it off against the Padres. That'd be so Padres, wouldn't it? I mean, so that's your least want to be. Who who would you uh, most want it to be to hit a uh, walk off against us, Danny? Uh, my mo- uh, Nick Hundley actually would be my oh my, your least. Yeah, just because like he complained about Grandal, and it's like, look, guy, juice or not, he's still better than you. Just just take it for what it is and have a career. Uh, so probably Hundley because he's a crybaby. Uh, most would actually be Yonder Alonso. I would love <laughs> if he walked the Padres off in Cleveland with a walk-off home run just because I liked Yonder a lot. He just didn't – he didn't develop here, and he got a lot of flack, and he also had it rough because he had to take over for Rizzo. Mm-hmm. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. Did a lot of charity work and stuff, genuinely nice guy, got a nice backstory. So I would love to see a good guy like Yonder walk it off on the Padres. I'd be okay with that. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. With with me, it's, my my answer is kind of is kind of funny. So it's – for the most and the least who I'd want it to be, it's the same person, Adrian Gonzalez. <laughs> This tied. So I would least want it to happen, one, because, hey, it's Adrian Gonzalez. But I would most want it to happen because Padre's Twitter would explode. Absolutely explode. Why do we hate Adrian? Well, I don't hate him, but why does Padre Twitter hate Adrian? You got any got any take on that, Marcus? Why why he's so not beloved? Like The only thing for JP. me is that, yeah, I mean, like, I, I for me, the reason that I would say I don't love uh, Adrian Gonzalez, he did say that he bled Dodger blue. Oh, and for oh me, I never heard that. Like, you can say that, like, hey, I'm glad I'm on the Dodgers now, or, you know, or just, I mean, if he criticized the Potters for being a bad organization, I mean, can we really 
argue with them about that. I mean, no. I think that's like a proven fact. No, we just get our feelings hurt because uh, it's true. But when he's like, hey, I, yeah, it's like, hey, but say like, I bleed out of blue. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, I don't really need to. Yeah, I'm I'm done with that. Okay, okay, I understand now. Potter's Twitter. It yeah. still wasn't is his that, fault. He could have been Potter Blue if we'd have signed him. Fowler would have signed him if he was running the show back then. It, is Kyle Blank still in the majors? Is he, is he around? <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him hit a walk off. Yeah, yeah, be a nice story for him. I, I I hope we never have to find that out. But <laughs> uh, hey, again, Marcus, we appreciate it's, you coming on, man. Is there anything else that you got coming up that you want to throw out there for us? Um, let's see. If you're a subscriber, to Matt Fryers, uh, there's an interview with Austin Allen up there uh, that I did. Uh, I'm still working on uh, transcribing the uh, interview that I did with Robert Stock, a reliever who is a uh, Padres Twitter favorite. He's actually a pretty good follow on Twitter, but. Uh, uh, he just got promoted to San, to uh, sorry, from San Antonio to El Paso, so I'll have it up uh, hopefully by the end of the week. Uh, John keeps asking when that's going to be done, so <laughs> I should probably get work on that. <laughs> hey, man, that might be premonition. Uh, that might be premonition to rip the bullpens going. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's a lot of openings because they just. I don't know if you. I don't know if you know that they just moved uh, Brian Mitchell to the bullpen. So oh, yeah. oh, I think yeah. they're taken care of pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, locked we, it down. Yeah, we we uh, we had a nice little rant about about Mitchell earlier. So when you listen back, you'll hear that. But um, yeah, man. Hey, again, uh, check him out on Twitter at marcussdtxmadfires.com. Uh, we appreciate your time, Marcus. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right, Thank man, you, sir. Care. Have a good night. Yeah, so great, great times there with Marcus, man. So, um, again, I've, I've always been a big fan, like, going back to Padres' perspectives. I didn't know he was part of that uh, wrote baseball RO, whatever yeah. it was, with that. With yeah, I didn't know that Brewer. either. I didn't know he, he went uh, that far back. But, no, you're right. Padres' perspectives, I really, they were kind of, you know, Matt Farge is there, too. But they're kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the beginning of this, uh, like, Padres' coverage right like the the groundswell that eventually uh, developed big time yeah. and you know like uh, one in particular i always reference it but he had a really good interview with uh, luis urias and uh at that point dude when i was reading that i was like man i was like matt price has a little bit of competition there yeah i remember you forwarded me that interview I was, was like, great. wow this was really good that was great this was really good and of course i didn't tell him while he was on here because why would i do that yeah. right but um yeah dude it's it's really cool to see what they're doing at mad Fires. and also i meant to say this last week if you guys ever want any merch or any gear from uh, any of the minor league affiliates go to madfires.com on the side of their website they have all of the affiliate links so go ahead and click on a logo for the affiliate from madfires click on that and go through their team store so that way they know that madfires sent you so they can get uh they can get hooked up and uh it helps them out helps us out so uh go to madfires.com subscribe and get your team merch from there but uh about an hour and a half man we're doing longer shows now so yeah yeah we have more to we have more to complain about, is what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah, we have a lot they're more really, to complain. About. They're worse now than I feel. I feel like they're worse now than they were last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I feel that way. They're probably the same. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just more infuriating because last year we had more young guys like getting chances, and now we're getting more like Jankowski's and Caesars <laughs> and Perellas and guys that are like God Galvis. Well, Galvis, whatever. But like, we're just getting guys we don't want to watch play. Like Ellis is starting every day now. Yeah. It's just. Uh, that's oh, so bad. And we have a Brian Mitchell now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a Brian Mitchell. That's for sure. So, Constant content from Mr. Mitchell. Yeah, luckily, like I said earlier, he's not going to be pitching on Friday and Saturday when I'm at the games. Uh, I will be there Friday and Saturday. Um, if you are at the game and you want to uh, meet up, please let me know on Twitter so I can have enough time to think of an excuse for why I can't meet up with you. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to get out of my uh, Premier Club or my uh, field, uh, field level tickets I got for free. So, um, hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll check in next week we're out of here